Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Welcome back, everyone. I have one dog joining me today while I'm recording, so hopefully she'll be good and hopefully you won't hear too much in the background. I know uh, not last week, the week before, there was definitely some dog noise in the background, but what can you do? So I had to do a little bit of self-coaching to make this episode happen. It's not that I don't think gaslighting is real, and it's not that I don't think gaslighting is a problem. I have regular encounters with someone who's an Olympic-level gaslighter. Believe me, I know it's real, and I know it's a problem. What was holding me up was this sort of murky area. How do you know when it's gaslighting? And how does coaching fit into this? I actually had kind of a scary thought, like, are coaches gaslighting when we tell people that things they think are real aren't? I mean, we spend a lot of time and energy pushing our clients to question the things they believe to be absolute truths. So is that the same thing? Of course, the easy answer is no, we're not gaslighting. We're not evil and we aren't trying to be manipulative, but it definitely deserves a better answer than just that kind of knee-jerk reaction. So here we go. I started with a Google search and looking at some definitions to make sure that my understanding of the word is similar, at least, to the generally accepted definitions. Here are some of the definitions and descriptions that I found. From medicalnewstoday.com, quote, gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse in which a person or group causes someone to question their own sanity, memories, or perception of reality, unquote. From NewportInstitute.com, quote, gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victim's mind, unquote. From VeryWellMind.com, quote, gaslighting is a form of manipulation that often occurs in abusive relationships. It is a covert type of emotional abuse in which the bully or abuser misleads the target creating false narrative and making them question their judgments and reality, unquote. And from psychologytoday.com, quote, gaslighting is an insidious form of manipulation and psychological control. Victims of gaslighting are deliberately and systematically fed false information that leads them to question what they know to be true, often about themselves. They may end up doubting their memory, their perception, and even their sanity. Over time, a gaslighter's manipulations can grow more complex and more potent, making it increasingly difficult for the victim to see the truth, unquote. And as a quick aside, I just want to put in a plug for psychologytoday.com. I'm assuming that this is the same just about everywhere, but where I practice, our mental health professionals are completely overloaded. It can be really difficult to find a provider who's competent and qualified and has any open appointments, not to mention one that takes the patient's insurance. This website has a really good search engine for all of that. Now, my first preference is always to refer patients to providers that I can personally vouch for or that my colleagues can personally vouch for, but these days that would usually mean a six-month wait, and for a lot of patients, they just really need help now. 
So far in my experience with using this resource for both my family and my patients, it's been a good experience. But anyway, back to gaslighting. So the next thing I looked at was how to recognize it. The most concrete and helpful tips came from an online article from 2021 in newportinstitute.com titled, How to Tell if Someone is Gaslighting You. If you Google gaslighting, this is one of the first few hits. They gave a list of 10 tips, but the summary, especially if you're considering this in a professional context, is that if you see a pattern of things like denying something even when there's proof, changing the subject or refusing to engage when called out about that, insisting that the other person is remembering something wrong, or spreading rumors or gossip about someone or telling that person that other people are gossiping about them. If you're seeing these things pop up repeatedly, there's a good chance that gaslighting is going on. Okay, now that we've looked at some definitions and descriptions and how to recognize it, my own interpretation matched these, but maybe didn't have quite this level of detail. So these descriptions were pretty helpful. And the tips for recognizing it helped too. Before having them spelled out for me so clearly, I think this probably fell in the category of, I know it when I see it, which let's face it, is a cop-out way of saying, I've never put in the work to really figure this out. So having all of this in front of me was great news because what it allowed me to see is that coaching is the opposite of gaslighting. It's reverse gaslighting. The goal of gaslighting is to take someone with an accurate and healthy perception of reality and twist it to a harmful one. In a gaslighting situation, if someone says, the thermostat says it's 65 degrees in here, which is a factual, provable statement, right? There's no opinion here. There's no interpretation. The gaslighter then says things like, no, it doesn't. You must have read that wrong. That thermostat's been broken for years. Why do you think it's accurate? The gaslighter is denying facts, undermining the other person's ability, sowing doubt. The goal of coaching is to take someone's personal stories that they've unknowingly concocted and dissolve them down until the facts can be seen. And then they can decide whether they like the reality that they're creating and whether they want to keep it or revise it. In the coaching scenario, the person says, they keep it freezing in here just to make us miserable. Hear that villain story and all those unproven ideas? Who is they? How do we know who's actually controlling the temperature? Is it really a nefarious scheme? Is the person being blamed even aware what the thermostat is reading? The coach helps the person strip all of that away until they get to that factual nugget. The thermostat says it's 65 degrees in here. Then the client gets to evaluate why they're thinking all of those interpretations of what a 65 degree reading on a thermostat means and what feelings and emotions come out of that interpretation, and what it then makes them do and not do, and how this actually impacts the reality that they're living in. And then at the end of all that exploration, the client gets to choose what comes next. The client will think, okay, I see what I'm creating, and either, yep, I want to keep thinking this, or mm, wait a minute, maybe I want to do a little work on this. Some of the best coaching work I've done is helping people reverse gaslighting that they've been doing on themselves. And let me tell you, self-gaslighting is like rocket fuel for burnout. It's not at all uncommon 
that a situation that's making an academic physician feel burned out has at least a little bit of self-gaslighting involved. Here's one of my own examples. Several years ago, when my organization was going through a big reorg, there was some work distribution changes that happened that were, well, wildly unpopular is probably an understatement. There was a lot of panic and angst, and at the time, I was really feeling like maybe this wasn't the right job for me anymore. I did some half-hearted looking and even had one interview, but I didn't really pursue leaving because I was 100% gaslighting myself. I had this huge story about how I couldn't leave. I absolutely had no choice. I had to stay. I had a long, long list of all the things I believed were absolute facts. Hint, none of them were facts. (laughs) Things like, we would have to move and we can't move because X. And... I would lose this one specific piece of my benefits package and we would be in danger without that. And I would lose all the leadership roles I've worked so hard for and I would have to start from scratch. And on and on. All nonsense, right? People move all the time. It's fine. Whatever benefits you have at one job, chances are pretty decent you can find something comparable at another job. And if you can't, you can usually figure out how to keep what you already have. And if you've proven yourself as a leader at one place, you're perfectly capable of proving yourself a leader at a new place. And who even says you have to be a leader just to enjoy your job? So yeah, all nonsense. But I had myself so convinced that this was all just truth, and I had zero insight into the villain helpless story that I had told myself. I was completely disempowered. So I stayed mostly because I love my coworkers so much, but also for a lot of those nonsense reasons. Now, how would this have played out if I had had a coach at the time? Well, who knows? Maybe I would have seriously explored other options. Maybe I would have left. Maybe I would have done nothing differently at all, made that half-hearted attempt at looking somewhere else and then deciding to stay. The one thing that I do know would have been different if I'd had a coach is that I would have felt empowered by my decision to stay rather than feeling powerless. I don't actually have any regret about the fact that I experienced it the way I did. I mean, yeah, it was way more miserable than it needed to be, but now I know I can get through a really miserable time and come out okay on the other side. And I know how to recognize the signs that I'm making things harder than they need to be. And now that I know how much better it feels when you make your decisions from a place of empowerment and taking full responsibility for your actions, I have a much better appreciation for why I want to make my decisions that way in the future. One of the first skills a new coach needs to learn is how to not coach people who don't want to be coached. Once we've had the lights turned on and we can see how much better things can actually be, there's this huge urge to share it, especially if we see someone we care about struggling with something that seems obvious to us that it could be fixed or improved upon. But people have to want to be coached. It's not a passive event. You have to be a willing participant. And even then, even when we sign up for coaching, sometimes we still have resistance at first. Here are some of the common workplace themes that people self-gaslight about. My schedule makes me miserable and there's no way to change it. My workload is too much. I can't get it all done, but I have to. 
I always get stuck with an unfair share of the work. I have no say in how things are done. I have no say in what changes are made. I can't possibly get my work done on time to go home. There are tons more, but you get the idea. Hopefully you can hear the themes of disempowerment, helplessness, and victimhood. But if your brain is screaming right now, wait a minute, one of those is absolutely true. You clearly don't understand what I'm up against at work. Well, try me. I'm up for a challenge. Come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule a free consult. All right. Thanks for listening today. I will see you back next time. Any opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.